Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self and business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Jay Richardson. Jay leads New Belgium Brewing's East Coast operations in Asheville, North Carolina. In addition to pragmatism, clarity, and passion, the core of his leadership philosophy is nurturing trusting relationships with those he encounters. Welcome to the podcast, Jay. I'm delighted to have you here. Yeah, same here, Ursula. Thanks for for asking. Yeah, my pleasure. So, New Belgium Brewing it's it's uh, it's always been a um, an employee owned company, and that business model has become really popular over time. And and uh, New Belgium just recently decided to go the other way. So, I, as you see, I'm just plunging right in. <laughs> to uh to major topics on on this but this is such an important question i think around what the evolution of a company um you were recently uh acquired by lion little world beverages and and uniquely new belgium is a was and perhaps continues to be an employee owned company and uh there was a vote y'all decided that that's the direction you wanted to go so um could you tell us a little bit about that and, and how does, how does it, uh, how do you lead through something like that when you're undergoing a major change? Yeah. Well, first about the, the change itself and then um, some commentary about how to lead through that, which by the way, we're, I'm still, still figuring out. Um, Great. Although um, conveniently it's, it, it seems to be a, a similar topic for, you know, what's going on now with the coronavirus. In other words, how to lead through something like that. Uh, so yeah. it has been kind of back-to-back, completely new scenarios for me and, and other leaders at New Belgium. Uh, new Belgium became uh, employee-owned uh, as part of a, an employee stock ownership program in uh, to, no, 1999-2000. And the the culture of of you know open book management and high involvement culture you know high participation culture was already part of new belgium's values uh, before becoming employee owned and at that time our co-founder kim jordan um you know felt like this was the best way to give coworkers um you know what's referred to as a stake in the outcome and that's a, a phrase mm-hmm. that you know is made made popular by uh, uh, Jack Stack and, and his books and now his, his company. And, you know, in retrospect, it, um, it shared the success of the company for two decades. Uh, millions, millions of dollars <clears throat> have been or are soon to be, you know, transferred into coworkers' uh, retirement accounts. Uh, for them mm-hmm. to rely on, uh, you know, later in life. And so by that measure, it, it's been uh, a wild success. 
And there's, you know, if, if listeners are, are really interested in, in, in digging into this topic and to see how the, maybe the rest of the employee ownership community reacted to this sale, um, there's a great collection of, of articles. I think if you go to the, the NCEO, the, the National Council for Employee Ownership, they, uh, I think they have a link to this gathering of articles that folks across the employee ownership community wrote their reaction. And, uh, you know, some are positive, some are constructive, and some ask some really good questions about. Yeah, I'll include those in the, yeah. in the show notes, too, so people can refer to that. Ultimately, you know, uh, an employee stock ownership program is for uh, its shareholders, which are the employees or the, the coworkers. So the what's in the best interest of coworkers is always the, the the leading criteria, and and so the the New Belgium's board of directors, as well as our external ESOP trustee, are that is their one of their main duties is always to be looking at what's best for the stakeholder. And so given mm-hmm. uh, financial conditions of the company, given what changes have been happening in the beer marketplace, especially over the past five years, a, um, the being acquired by the right kind of business. And I'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, it did turn out to be what's in the best interest uh, of coworkers. Uh, that the right kind of business was the trick, and uh, you know my hat is still off to the, the board of directors that that did. Uh, I have no idea how many hours of of work they spent on you know considering offers, uh, you know pursuing potential partners, um, and the more I get to know the folks at Line and Little World Beverage, the more I'm convinced that they the values they hold dear are very similar to those of New Belgium. Um, and that's what gives me the most uh, optimism and hope for how this is is going to work well. Yeah, an acquisition with shared values is is rare. I mean, I've talked to other entrepreneurs who um, would do it differently if they had a choice. So it's it's really encouraging to hear that the the signs so far are very much in alignment with the due diligence before the sale. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, one of the when New Belgium opened this second location, I think it was 2015, the, uh, I read that the board identified maintaining culture as the biggest challenge. And uh, culture is something I really like to talk with people about in the context of impact, because it's so crucial in maintaining that. How are you finding um, that process? Because having been involved in a merger myself, there can be conflicting um, kinds of uh, ways of doing things, priorities. How are you finding that process of maintaining the, the great culture that you mm-hmm. had? Yeah, one of the while we were finishing the design, the detailed design of the brewery and the the liquid center here in Asheville, organizational design was uh, a, a main focus. And part of that was, you know, not just what positions and how many of them would we need but how would we do our recruitment process? Uh, how would we do orientation and training such that we could accomplish what you just described? You know, uh, early on, we did refer to that as transferring the culture from, in this case, from, mm. from Colorado. The more we, the more we studied it, the more we contemplated it, the more it became clear that 
to try to have a identical culture in Asheville, uh, as in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, would would probably be a disservice to those working in Asheville, since mm. culture is, you know, by definition, uh, a function of you know a group of people that you know share something passionately, and that turns into just you know the way we do things around here. I've heard it called. Since it's different mm. people in a different setting, with different you know soci- socioeconomic conditions we felt like by definition that the culture would be different in some ways needed to be different in some ways which then allowed us to focus on okay well what has to be exactly the same then and that came down to new belgium's purpose in other words why the company exists and its values you know what it what it holds dear those things have to be exactly the same in Fort Collins as they are in Asheville, as they are in wherever any of our salespeople work across the nation. So that became mm-hmm. the focus. How can we make sure that instead of transferring the culture, how do we transfer the values? Um, and there were a couple of approaches that looking back helped uh, greatly. One was, was um, really recruiting internally, first of all, uh, we referred to them as seed positions because we literally wanted to seed the values of New Belgium in Asheville by having coworkers that existing coworkers move to Asheville. You know, in other words, coworkers that have experience living New Belgium's values to have them doing that in, in Asheville and essentially modeling the way for all those that would be hired, uh, we thought would have uh, a lot of potential and it turned out to be uh, extremely helpful. I think over time between 20 and 25 existing coworkers would move to Asheville, which left about a hundred coworkers that we would, you know, of course, hire locally. Um, We identified, we hoped that as many of the leadership team in Asheville could be seed positions, so to speak. And then at least one Mm -hmm. or two, positions in each functional area we hoped would be uh, seed positions. Uh, the other thing that helped a lot is, you know, how we approach the hiring process. Uh, in fact, I think still today, and I believe it's true for any company, every time a company hires someone, their culture is going to change just a little bit because that's a, sure. an addition. Uh, it's someone who, will be living that company's values in, in a, you know, a, a unique way and that will have a, a slight change. And so if it just to me suggests how important it is to make that the hiring decision and um, in craft beers heyday, uh, I would say the, you know, the, the two thousands um, all craft breweries were growing so quickly that, you know, hiring processes were, in fact, I remember us having a, a metric where we looked at number of days to, to hire. You know, we would look at that every month. And so that, whether we realized it or not, that drove this, this uh, how quickly can we hire someone? You know, that was the, that became a target. And, and we had the liberty, the, the benefit of in Asheville, because we knew when we would be turning on the line, so to speak, that we could, we could take more time making those hiring decisions. We could spend more time with those that applied 
to get to know them and them get to know New Belgium so that we could, we could make sure mutually that this was a place that uh, a coworker could be themselves and naturally line up with the values of New Belgium. So those having seat positions and then um, really allowing ourselves time to hire, I think helped a lot in making sure that we, you know, we now have a, a living culture that, um, I believe is firmly rooted in the values of New Belgium. And, and when longtime coworkers from Fort Collins come to Asheville to, you know, help support us in various ways, um, I, I do my best to check in with them to see well, how did it feel. And typically the answer has been, it feels like uh, New Belgium in the early days, which was just a comment <laughs> about, you know, size. Um, right. And yeah. so I'll, I'll take that every time. Yeah. Well, and you've obviously been very thoughtful about how you can contribute to building a culture that's not only going to reflect the parent company, the the original location in Colorado, but also how you can allow it to evolve in a way that's going to reflect the local employees. And I've I've heard you talk about um, hiring people with a strong sense of self-leadership. Um, is that still true or is that, is that something that's had to shift as well? Yeah, there were, um, probably maybe five to 10 years ago. Uh, it was a, from a, you know, a a coworker development standpoint, uh, New Belgium had quite a focus on situational and self-leadership. Um, and we, and we, we enjoyed that kind of those services from, uh, the Blanchard company. Uh, and the, while we, you know, we've not been able to, you know, continue to, to pay for those services in the past few years, uh, the, the philosophies are still, uh, in the, in the organization and, and certainly in Asheville that, you know, the premise being for self-leadership, you know, a, a coworker is, you know, they are the best advocate for their career and, and where their career goes. And conversely, their supervisor or manager is the best you know, support line uh, or coach for that. Uh, and then together, you know, they can they can work to create a situation where a, a coworker, you know, is challenged by their work and enjoys their work. And you know, I feel like that when that happens, that's when I see coworkers doing their best work. Um, because it's it's uh, it's fulfilling to them. They go home uh, with a a feeling of being of being fulfilled at work, and and I I'm a I'm a big supporter of that, especially the situational leadership part, which speaks to you know it's not just a one particular style of leadership that is most effective. Uh, it it is in fact you know exactly situational it's um depending on how how competent a person is in the particular task that they're doing that will dictate a different kind of leadership approach to help them be as uh, successful as they can be Hmm. well um yeah i think that situational leadership approach is uh such a smart way to think about it and a lot of work has been done in that realm but how, how do you how do you define your own leadership in terms of the impact that you're that you're having in the organization? I, I can't 
pinpoint exactly when it happened, but but it was certainly soon after um, I was um, placed in this role in in Asheville, uh, but before my family and I moved to Asheville. Uh, at some point, it it became apparent that it was uh, in this role. It was my success in this role was was really no longer about me, or you know, my success as a leader is is not about me. It it's about you know how successful is the group of people that will be in my charge. I, I think you know I would later hear uh, Simon Sinek say it. Uh, much better, which is, you know, as leaders, we're not in charge. We are responsible for those in our charge. Once Mm. that, once that switch flipped for me, it was, uh, well, a lot of it was, was freeing because I am certainly no expert in, in the production of beer or the distribution of beer. My background is in IT. So while I know how it all connects together and, um, you know, I'm, I'm no expert in it. Uh, and so realizing that, um, I'm not expected to be was, uh, quite, quite freeing. Uh, and so then that led to, um, really more study into, um, servant leadership, which, you know, I, I now know is, uh, not a, a leadership style or an, uh, an approach and certainly not a tool set. It's more of a philosophy. It's, you know, um, thinking of others, you know, first. And so those that, that are in my charge, um, I first think, um, what can I do to help them be more successful? Um, Mm -hmm. and just that starting question has, uh, well, it's just night and day to, to how I used to think about, you know, supervising or, or managing people. Um, Mm -hmm. and I continue to be a, um, you know, a a zealot for that and, uh, continue to to study that, to try to get better and better at it. Are are there particular ways that you cultivate those skills? I I mean, it sounds like you do a lot of reading and, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, lately, um, digging into emotional intelligence has helped um, because that shines a light on, on, you know, self-management, which, which a lot of that comes through, you know, the difference between listening to respond and listening to understand. And so when I just being aware of that, that is the, that is the natural, I think, inclination of the human condition to, uh, especially if it's a topic that might involve a little bit of friction or conflict, you know, it's, it's a survival instinct to be already formulating your response while, you know, the person you're, you're talking to is talking. Well, and right. while we're doing that, then we're, we're missing uh, a really important opportunity to learn um, from that person. Uh, and so, just an awareness of self-management and how the, the brain handles emotions has been really helpful lately to, to, uh, to always bring myself back to a, you know, a place of humility, which uh, is, you know, not thinking less of myself, but thinking uh, of myself less often. Uh, I think C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis gets credited for that one, but 
um, that, <laughs> that has helped, which the, the more I can keep myself in that mode, that place of humility, then it's easier to be in this continuous learning mode, um, which I find also is a, is a, is a, is a great jumping off point to be, uh, have that, that philosophy of service and, um, what's best for others. Yeah, it's so powerful. And as you said, it's it kind of almost goes against kind of natural inclination at first, but then you really see the the wisdom in it. It sounds like you've really, you've really embraced it, which is great. Well, I'd love to explore a little bit about how you see the impact of, of New Belgium. I know that environmental stewardship has been a huge hallmark of, uh, of the company and especially in the Asheville location. You've You've said that you don't have a green initiative, but every decision at all levels honors the earth whenever possible. And I think some people see impact, social or environmental, as kind of an add-on rather than integral or infused in their operations. And how have, how has the company evolved in terms of really infusing it in that deep way so that that statement you made is is has become so true? Well, I have our our co-founder Kim and her then husband Jeff to thank for that particular company value that speaks, speaks to environmental stewardship. Um, so it's, you know, it's been um, brewed into the company's identity from the very beginning. This was before they even hired their first coworker. And therefore it becomes a, a, a criteria that we use in, uh, in recruitment as we're hiring new people it is, you know, one of the things that we dig into as we get to know each other. Uh, it's one of the, the, it's one of the behaviors that we, we want to make sure that that is a is is shared between that person and and New Belgium's values. Um, I I was reminded recently of uh, of just how powerful this can be. Uh, we were um, we have a a sustainability team at at uh, at both sites. And this is a group of people from various functional areas and it's volunteer that gather on a monthly basis to review, you know, how we're doing on water usage, energy usage, carbon footprint. And it's kind of a best practices sharing discussion. You know, what can we doing in our normal operations to, to get better at any of these metrics? And we met, uh, gosh, this would have been the Friday um, almost two weeks ago, it was the, we, you know, later in that day, we would, we would decide that we would need to close our tasting rooms for the, in response to COVID-19. And it was already, mm-hmm. you know, we already felt this coming. So it was kind of a, that surreal feeling that I think a lot of us are feeling right now it was already starting to set in. And we got to a place in this sustainability conversation where I was it just, I was just struck with everyone, you know, being, all in to this, like, how do we make, how do we make the earth better in our work? And, and so we, we had a, a pause in the discussion and I just asked everyone to share, like, you know, why are you, why are you here? <laughs> why, why do you come to these discussions? Um, you're not getting paid more to, to do this. Um, and everyone went around the room and the common theme was that, well, this is just, this is important to me as a human being. So, mm. or, you know, a couple of people even said, this is why I wanted to work for new Belgium. 
because you know this is important to New Belgium. I view my employment here as a way to contribute to some sort of betterment of uh, how we treat the earth. Um, yeah, and so great. even when we, you know, like the past few years, we, we have not had a lot of access to capital in order to do, you know, quote unquote, large green efforts. Uh, so having a value like this allows, you know, coworkers everywhere to be making small changes that, you know, at, they add up over time. Mm. Well, it's so important in fulfillment and, I mean, from a business point of view, retention and people's performance, it's so affected by their satisfaction and in ways that uh, if they're allowed ways to contribute that feel important to them, it uh, makes for a much, much better working environment, certainly, and, and uh, better outcomes for everybody, which is yeah, great. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the coronavirus and, and uh, COVID-19, and uh, it's, uh, we can't have a conversation these days without that coming up. But uh, it's, it's unprecedented in many ways, but um, I think there are lessons to be applied from other times of major change. I mean, you've been with the company for, I think, 17 years. Right. And uh, what, have, what, are you, what have you learned from major change that you're able to kind of bring forward to apply in this situation? Yeah, I mentioned earlier, there's, it, there are some similarities to you know, leading through being acquired and leading yeah. through you know, what the, the whole world is going through right now. Uh, one mm-hmm. of those similarities is, is what to do when uh, a leader doesn't have all the facts. Right. Um, certainly uh, more communication in those challenging times is, is, is really helpful. Um, a, a term from, you know, emotional intelligence is front loading where you, you know, even just by saying, Hey, I don't, I don't have all the answers that to the questions that I know that are out there and yeah. I'm going to share what I know and I'm going to be, you know, we're going to be talking often, you know, just, just those few sentences uh, I think can offer some, some comfort in those times um, back to the point about, you know, listening to understand um, coupling that with empathy, I think is really important in, in challenging times, especially when there's a, a lot of unknowns and in being acquired when, you know, when the board of directors told all of new Belgium that, Hey, we have, we have received an offer from Lion Little World Beverage and we, we are in support of it. And then there was a period of time where, you know, coworkers would, would get more educated about the offer and eventually they would have a, uh, we would have a vote. Uh, during that period that there was quite a bit of unknown and uncertainty and therefore anxiety. And I think uh, just mm-hmm. listening and being empathetic to to what is you know on coworkers' minds can go a long way. Uh, they yeah. there's a there's a sense of safety I think that can be enhanced when when someone feels like they're really being listened to, and mm-hmm. the more leaders can do that, the more they can learn, you know, what what are the key questions that we like we might not know them now, but we have to work to get these questions answered because this is what's most on coworkers' minds. And you, you can't do that unless you ask and then listen, fully listen. Um, so, you know, 
rig, more more regular communication, uh, empathy, uh, and then I think that it, it's some sort of you know some sort of assurance that you know that 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 coworkers can feel like you know they are important, that their needs are recognized and are being you know considered. Um, I think that will, even those personalities that, that tend towards, you know, glass half empty or that tend more easily towards, uh, fear and anxiety, um, that, that can help even those, those personality types. If, if you can somehow convey a feeling that while we don't have all the answers now, you are important your concerns are important and they are absolutely a driving consideration as we move forward. Hmm. Well, I love that almost all of your answer was about employees and it just really reflects on your leadership style on the, on the culture that you've uh, helped to build that you've all co-created and the, you know, the desire to create a really, um, uh, really great working environment. So um, I think that that speaks so well of, of you and the company. So oh, thanks. I, yeah, well, I'm, I'm on the kind of more, so I'll, I'll kind of take the, the, uh, the business perspective just uh, uh, as an added element that um, this is one of those scenarios where business leaders are faced with uh, that tension between short and long-term thinking. And, how do you embrace that when everything's so unknown? And I, I know early in your career, you were, I think you started off at Anderson Consulting early on. So you kind of saw the inner workings of, of a lot of companies and, uh, and the repercussions of abandoning long-term thinking in, in, the, in, in the face of a short-term situation. Um, are you, what are your thoughts about that kind of ongoing tension that uh, a company's always dealing with and especially now? Yeah, I think as it as relates to you know COVID nineteen and our our collective response, uh, it, I have felt it you know reassuring to when when New Belgium has leadership meetings on this topic that there is this assumption that we're all going to get through this. Sure, there's going to be some varying degrees of fallout depending on what industry you're in or even other parts of society. Uh, but I think even just starting to, to talk about what can we do now so that when we are past this, that we are as we are as in a, you know, a healthy position as we can be all things considered so that we can, you know, keep taking care of those that work for New Belgium and, and those, and, 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 and our place in the community, both in Fort Collins and Asheville. Like we're, mm -hmm. uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, we are, we're in a place now where there's still demand for our product and beverage manufacturing is considered essential. So even in those places where shelter in place orders have been enacted, uh, beverage manufacturing and distribution and, and obviously the, the sale of it is, is deemed essential. So as long as we can provide a safe place to work uh, and there's demand for a product, we're going to keep doing that. Uh, it allows mm -hmm. us to keep our economic engine running, which, you know, makes it, it makes it more possible for us to 
to keep our, our tasting room and coworkers who can't work um, to keep them on paid leave. Uh, it also allows our, the, our philanthropic part of our business to, to keep active. Uh, and we're, we're, we're looking at ways to, you know, how do we, how do we share that, that like, how do we redirect, frankly, there, and we're plans for, you know, our philanthropy dollars already for 2020. And now that's, that's being changed so that it's more appropriate given current conditions. You know, what's very important to our business, for example, are uh, workers at bars and restaurants and, you know, across right. the nation, they're, they're out of work essentially. And so there's a lot of talk already about, you know, how can we, how can we use some of our, our resources? How do we allow or ask others to join us to, uh, to somehow, you know, help out the, the employees in, in that part of the workforce. I really appreciate the way you've been adaptable and, and responding to the situation at hand and uh, rather than just, you know, motoring on with, um, with the previous plans. I think that uh, it's, it's so beneficial for uh, the people that, that your business is connected with and certainly for, for all communities, which is really great. And I, I think there are certainly Fat Tire and other Bel New Belgian beer drinkers out there who would absolutely consider it an essential service. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I always end these interviews with a rapid round of three questions. And uh, are you game? I'm game. It's not my strength, but I'll <laughs> give it a shot. Uh, you've been doing great. <laughs> well, the first one is, what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? Yeah, I'll, I'll use a, a phrase from earlier, like just learning that it's not about me. Mm. If if I'm focused on me and my needs, then um, it's, that's eventually going to sell me short. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Second question is, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? Um figuring out a way to, to more regularly remind myself that uh, there's always someone or actually a large group of people that, that know more than I do. And so to always be searching to learn more from those around me. Mm, that's great. The last question is what's when one insight or piece of advice you'd share with other leaders who are asking themselves, how can I contribute, especially in these times? How can I, positively affect my own environment and the larger world. Yeah, we go back to the, uh, the point about empathy. If you truly empathize with those that you're, you're leading, uh, you are, you're guaranteed to learn more um, and you're guaranteed to learn more accurately what is needed from you. What is the best way you can serve those that you're leading? Those are great answers, Jay. Thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing the your own thoughts and experience about the inner workings of, of uh, your company and and all you're doing to respond to this current situation. Um, so thank you for being here to talk about that. It's my pleasure. Ursula, thanks again for asking and uh, enjoy chatting with you as well. Me too. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? The letter J and then Richardson at newbelgium.com.
Great. Well, thank you, Jay, and thank you for the work you're doing in the world. My pleasure. Thank you for joining me. If you want to discover more about your impact, you can schedule a business impact assessment with me. That's 75 minutes of focus on your and your company's impact and how you can increase it. Just email me at Ursula at workalchemy.com to schedule your business impact assessment. It's my gift to you. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of leaders like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.